I can look back and I can remember the feeling of my body when I first had alcohol and my body rejected it because my body was smarter. And it's when we kept forcing that feeling that then all of a sudden the body just accepts the fact that, okay, the controller of this body is going to continually bombard me with things that I don't really need and that don't sustain me. But I guess I got to figure it out. So the body becomes numb to it after a while. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. Being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions. What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? Today's guest is a music industry mentor, a songwriter, producer, and artist with over 100 sync placements in film and television. He's also an entrepreneur with his company Neverland Retreats, which brings selected artists to the jungles of Costa Rica twice a year to be mentored by Grammy Award winners and number one Billboard songwriters. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adam McInnes. How are you, brother? Well, very so Adam and I have had the uh, privilege of dropping in pretty deeply on some conversations. And so when I was researching and uh, preparing for this interview, I just, there's so many topics I wanted to discuss with you. Exactly. Um, so what I thought would we do is I'll start with a sort of a foundational question. We'll just see how it evolves from there. So my first question, which I love to ask to people is what is your definition of success and how has it changed over time? Hmm. My definition of success is the ability to live on one's own terms in the best way of like not needing things um, by going through someone outside of yourself. Mm. Um, I think that's the simplest way of saying it. Like, and you can put that into business. You can talk about that in a relationship, like a successful relationship with yourself would be not needing other people's validation. A successful business would be like, I'm building things and I don't need uh, like a record label to validate it. Mm. I'm successful because I can make a living without other exterior partners. I think success when it comes to finance is not having to uh, beg, borrow, or steal from other people to have that. So just having that is a success. Now, where that goes past its point is up to the individual, but I think the baseline of success starts there. Mm. Love it. Fantastic. So I was, uh, I was reading a bio of yours on uh, the Cloud9 website, and it says you're born in Manhattan uh, yeah. to the son of black Scottish and Russian Jewish parents, which I didn't know, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and at an, at an early age, you were surrounded by many cultures and forms of expression. So that was really drove my curiosity to ask you, like, what impact did your childhood have on your creativity, on your mm. worldview, and your work ethic? Whew, I mean, that is such a deep and... Uh, Multi-layered question. So let's start with the first part. When it comes okay. to creativity, um, there's a lot of writers in my family. So my aunt was a published writer. My brother um, was a published writer. My uh, my uncle's a singer. My mom's a singer. So there's my sister's a singer. She was like on Apollo. Remember that show? Like like um, what's it called? Showtime at Apollo. Oh right, like, yeah. That, like my sister was on that. So. We have all these creative people in my family. And so that creates the creative side, right? But in that creative side, a lot of people in my family never had the work ethic to finish things. Not, not all, but a lot. Like if you look at the majority, most of them weren't finishers. And I attribute my finishing quality to my grandfather who used to play for the 49ers. I'm sorry, he used to play for the Chicago Bears. And so he was someone who you know, really went through it and that side of the family also had ties to, and this is kind of deep, but they also had ties to the, the Russian mob. So there was a kind of thing of like fortitude and loyalty and hard through it. And, you know, there, these guys back in the day, if you're not a football player, you were hitting each other's heads with leather helmets. You know, that's a whole different mindset. And then every single male in my family is in the armed forces. So there's a lot of people in my family who can't leave the country without having. Um, written consent from the government leave the country so when we sit down at Christmas 
I'm the only person who's talking about like <laughs> these completely different concepts, uh, philosophy and everything. And they are so militant. Um, and so I think it's a mixture of all those things, like seeing the writers and the creative people, then being around all these people who are very, very structured. And that would create the work ethic and the creativity. And then growing up in a household where there was no race, but also that there was race, meaning um, the African-American side of my family and the Caucasian side of my family, it's not like they don't get along, but they don't integrate. So I grew up seeing separation surrounded by so many different nationalities that when I was like six years old, all my friends, and I've seen pictures of this, you know, where I have a uh, kindergarten teacher who has followed my career throughout the years. And uh, she sends me pictures every once in a while, like, hey, Adam, you never forget, forget, uh, believe the picture I found of you, you know, when you were seven years old or something. And you look at the picture, I look at all my friends, and there's not a color there. It's just a blend of, you know, like Korean and Chinese and Indian and Black and Spanish and Puerto Rican. And it's just like, it's, it's all you see. So I never knew, like, race race um, until I went to college. Well, I would say until I went to high school, and that's when I said, oh, this is different, because people were having race wars in high school. And I'm like, what, people are stabbing each other in this high school based on the color of their skin? This is weird. And then I went to college, and I saw it way worse, because there was, like, rebel flags, and there was things like that. People wouldn't let you go in certain places that would be your color. And if I try to date someone who was Caucasian, like, they, their, their fathers always treated me a little differently, and sometimes their mothers, grandfathers, definitely. And so... It's like, I, there's certain things that I didn't see, certain things that I did, and if you put them all into a bundle and like put that into a piece of candy, that's what came out. Mm. Fantastic. Such a uh, multi-layered and, and diverse upbringing, you know, which a lot of people can find challenging, but you've managed to turn it into your greatest strength. And that's one of the things I love about you. Yeah. Thank you, man. I think, well, you- I think it's perspective. It's like, yeah. for instance, okay, so I'll have one uncle that will tell me about the Jewish religion. And I have another uncle who will tell me about the Christian religion. And I have another uncle who will talk me about the Muslim religion. And what I get to do is I get to look at all these people who I look up to, who I, I feel are intelligent human beings, but they're all giving me different forms of information, which means intelligence isn't unified. And once I realized that intelligence is unified, I was like, oh, perspective is based on stories and beliefs mm-hmm. that we were given when we are young. So as long as I can see their perspective, I can be in agreement with the human, not always the story. Mm. And so I started developing that over the years where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I might not agree with the story, but I agree with how you perceive things. And I started just to realize that a lot of life is just a mixture of all cultures, and then they become part of a belief system. And then people, unfortunately, will then do horrible things to enforce that on others. And that's where the disconnect comes in, disharmony. 100%. So that's something I run into a lot in my practice with clients is that there's this, the story they're telling themselves and the sort of the ego identification is where they're operating from. And mm-hmm. so one of the techniques we do is sort of to remove yourself and become the observer of your own mind yeah. and your emotions and your belief systems and the stories you're telling yourself, which is, you know, my client just had a breakthrough in that regard the other day. And once you sort of remove yourself and you're like, oh shit, you know, oh. I've been operating from this, this story my whole life. So I'm just curious, like, because a lot of people go through life and never had that realization and they're just operating from that story, that ego all the time. So the fact that you've been able to sort of remove yourself, gain that perspective and then synthesize so many different perspectives into one unit, which you now operate from is just remarkable to me. Like, how did you do that? Okay. So I call it the Easter egg hunt. Okay. So, So basically it's like this, um, did you ever do that? Did you ever do Easter egg hunts when you were a kid? Absolutely. Was that okay? So you know how you're you're looking for something, right? So because you're looking for something, you might pass over other things. I guarantee you, if I took a piece and hit it near a piece, something else, people would probably not see it because they're looking for the egg. Right. So something might be more valuable there, but they're looking for this egg. So they're like, I gotta find the egg, I gotta find the egg. And I'm like, you didn't see that right above this tree in that nest? I should put a bar of gold. We weren't even looking for the bar of gold. We were looking for the egg. So with identity, that's what I call the identity, like Easter egg hunt. People are only looking for things that match their identity. In life. Mm. So, you know, uh, for instance, things could be happening in the world and someone will be looking for things that match their perspective of the world instead of looking at all the perspectives of actually what's happening. 
And when they find enough things that match their perspective, they call that identity and belief system. And then they'll argue that belief system with other people with having zero knowledge, just pieces of other people's identities that match theirs. Mm. And that to me is when things get a little tricky because, you know, <laughs> I've met so many people who are multimillionaires, but they're not the smartest person in the room. Mm. But other people will treat them like they are because they have money. But most people don't realize that two thirds of money come from inheritance. So just because you inherited money doesn't mean you know how to earn it. But everyone will follow the person who has the money, not the person who's making the most amount of logical sense. So there's just all these things that people are looking for parts of their identity. And if sex success is one of the things people want, they'll usually follow the person with the money, mm. not the person who's actually making the most logical sense. And this happens all the time for this. Where people are like, you know, trust me, there's tons of planets and stars in the sky. And someone's like, nope, there's nine. And everyone believes that one person and until they create the Hubble telescope. And everyone's like, oh, we might have been wrong on that. There are so many people who are wrong about things throughout all of history. That's the reason why it's called theories. It's because that's the closest thing you can get to with scientific backups. That's like, this is our theory. But there's other people who will literally fight, kill, steal, like armies, wars based on things that aren't even theories. It's just feelings. Right? Mm. So I think there's an Easter egg hunt that people are just trying to find things that are in line with the identity that they've been taught to believe. So what I do in everything, it's a very simple practice, actually. Um, let's say someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z, um, or Adam, what's your take on this? I say, whatever it is, take it, and I call it the out-in form. Take it out of society, put it into nature. If it's normal in nature, that means society created your feelings that you feel right now. You need to look at the constructs of what you're operating on. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally. So let me take something like homosexuality. If you took that out of society into nature, it's completely normal, which means it's by default natural. So any way you feel about it is based on the concepts and constructs that you've been used to program you to create order because politics and order is the governing of, it's the science of governing people. So your feelings and emotions towards you are based on someone using science to govern you and it worked. Because if it's in nature, anything in nature by default, means it's natural. So we have this thing where we're called human nature, but yet we denounce nature as itself because humans have been sold the story that they are above nature. And in that disconnect, nature is now answering back. And it's unfortunate, but we're living in the, in the era where that's happening. And we're seeing the reflection of us believing that we are above nature, which we're actually part of at all, at all corners of. And I think people who tend to live in places like like what, where we do, um, you would say that you get to see nature on a higher abundance level than what other people do. And you know that nature is both chaotic and beautiful. It's not good or bad. It's both, which mm. creates synergy. You know, like last night, did you see the crazy thunderstorm last night? Yeah, it was awesome. It was intense, right? Like just yeah. like two hours straight of just lightning. That what thunderstorm doesn't happen in Los Angeles. So there are people in Los Angeles walking around as if like, oh no, you know, it's, this is kind of like this never seeing the chaos of nature. Mm. And then when it happens, everyone's freaked out. People don't even drive. People don't leave. There's, you know, crazy things that happen in cities. There's floods. Like that in, during the races in Costa Rica might happen, you know, once or twice a month. Mm. And you see it. You feel it. And you see the chaos. Now, if you went back probably 12,000 years, and let's just imagine that you and I had no scientific data. Let's imagine that we were philosophers at the time. If we saw the storm from last night, is it completely impossible for someone to say, I think it's the gods battling. I think it's Thor. Like, right? Totally. Because there, there was one strike last night that literally felt like it could have cracked open the sky. It was so massive. It was so bright that my eyes were closed. And it looked like I got blinded by a white light. And I was like, yeah, I could see that 12,000 years ago. We would have been philosophers and we would have said, you know, Thor is coming down. And then we would have then said, we have to do a ritual to appease the gods. And then mm. that would have been passed down and passed down. And people would have created these archetypes and these stories. And then, unfortunately, other people who weren't questioning the stories get put into the program of the identity and then end up living that life and then teaching that to their kids and that kids and their kids. And that becomes a belief system. 
100%. Yeah, totally does. Uh, and there's so many things I want to ask you about just within that answer, but I'll keep it to this. Um, <laughs> what, what you described as our disconnection, fundamental disconnection from nature as humanity yeah. is one yeah. of the primary problems, in my opinion, of many, many of the catastrophic issues that we're having right now. I agree. Completely. And so, so moving back to a, a connect, a deep connection with nature is fundamental because it, it reawakens us to the lost idea that we are in relationship with nature and consequentially, which means we're in symbiosis and we're falling out of symbiosis. So like you said, we're putting ourselves above nature, which is a fundamental error that we were seeing the results of now. Um, so coming that's a back, game, that's a game we should be playing. That's a 100%. game we should not be playing. Like, yeah. we have no clue what we're doing right now. When I say no, we, no. I'm, I'm going to take, take myself out of the game. Yeah. There's a lot of people in some powerful positions who have no clue what they're messing with because, I mean, this, I, I understand, it's the basic of stories that have been passed down which gave some people power, and that power turned into what they call success and dominion over others. Mm. If you look at anything, this planet has been around for so much longer than we've had like the ability to, to change it. And it was working fine. Yeah. Evolution was happening on its own accord, completely fine without us. And then we thought, you know what? Let's take away trees. Why would we do that? Trees create oxygen. No, because we need more space for buildings. Yeah, but trees create oxygen. They create shelter. It creates things that we actually need. No, let's just let's run through it. Who cares? It's like one of these things like there's only 800 mountain gorillas left in it's like 800 mountain gorillas left in the world, right? Here's where it's scary. That's one of the ties to our lineage. And we are literally just watching it, watching it just dissipate. And I looked, there's a, there's this, um, have you seen this movie called uh, Varatunga? Yes, I have. Varunga in the Congo National Park, right? Yeah, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to save these last gorillas. And I went to their website the other day, and they were trying to do a donation base. They only had $8,000 Wow. 8,000. Here's crazy. There was a kid who was in Starbucks and some woman was talking in his face with a mask on the other day and they donated this kid $100,000. He didn't die. He didn't get sick. There was no crazy thing that happened. She was just talking in his face and saying, you know, COVID this and COVID that. And I'm like, so we just gave a kid who went to Starbucks $100,000. We have the last breed of something alive and no one's paying attention. And it's because, unfortunately, the brain works. In the same way with music, and you probably experience this, it's like when you listen to a song, you're focusing on the lead vocal. That's the first thing you're listening to. Mm. And if someone goes, hey, li really listen to the song. You're going to hear background harmonies that are really tucked down low. You're going to hear there's a guitar part that's in the melody that's really washed out with reverb, so it's kind of hard to hear. And you wouldn't even notice it unless you were trying to really listen. Unfortunately, the human brain only gravitates to what's in front, making the loudest noise. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. So it's like if someone's just sitting up there clapping, making a lot of noise, people are watching that. You're not seeing the whole thing that's actually happening. And that's where we get scary about our brains not being able to see the bigger picture unless you're a quote-unquote philosopher. Mm. That shouldn't be a thing. It should be that everyone is trying to search for but, but using logic though. It's like, logically, if these animals are almost extinct, it's our fault. Mm. We should probably help this animal because it's probably part of our DNA because anyone can look up what a hairless gorilla looks like and it'll look like it has the same exact bone structure as us. So you don't need to be a genius to see that looks identical to us. You know an uncle that looks like that gorilla without hair on, if you look at it. Mm -hmm. And to say, like, we're not even related to these things, and we're not related to other animals on this planet, is fundamentally insane. But people do it all the time, and they'll tell me because of a story that they heard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but just look at the animal. I don't need to, I'm not going to be a scientist. Look at it. It's got, it's got six-pack, it's got biceps, it's got triceps, it's got chest, it's got ears, it's got hands or something. We need to have someone else tell you different stories to say that we might be kind of related and that there's only 800 left and that the people who are trying to save them are being killed. We should probably help out a little bit. There's, it's like this whole thing of like, we don't like to look at the landfills of what we create. We just like to see the finished product. And that's the scary thing about this thing that I call glamour. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, uh, what was it? The show called, uh, True Blood. The show called True Blood. That was a vampire show. And whenever they would, make someone forget about something. You know, the vampire wanted someone to forget. They call it glamoury. And that's exactly what the media does. It glamorizes things that if you logically thought about, you'd be like, that's completely harmful. That's going to destroy a bunch of people. And in that, as long as we don't see the landfill, it's not happening. 
until the landfill piles up and then it starts to fall on us. And then we're going to go, how did that happen? It's like, we've been digging a landfill. We just haven't seen it. Mm. So I feel like the world right now is basically replaying the whole movie of the Wizard of Oz, where everyone's trying to walk on this yellow brick road that's full of gold. And so they get to the end and they realize that there's only a little man behind the curtain playing all these little tricks on people's minds. And the person spent all this time thinking that the road was meant for them when really they're part of such a bigger organism that's going on, but they've never seen it. So they get to the end of it and understand that it could be at the end of their life. It could be at the end of a, a season of them starting to change and really connect with themselves and realize, oh my God, wait a second. Yeah, why am I killing this random insect when it actually was trying to help me? Like, I, you know, like the spider comes in your room and someone's trying to kill it with a, with a sandal and you're like, that spider's keeping away the other insects that are in here, right? Yeah. It's going to help the system. But people are so quick to kill out of fear, so quick to hurt out of fear, out of fear for protection because they have no knowledge of what they're actually a part of because the stories tell them that they're not a part of it. 100%. Yes. And um, you mentioned that the the system is, and this is my interpretation of what you just said, is the system is fundamentally broken. And for yes. me, that means there's a value hierarchy built into the system that is fundamentally broken. Let me just unpack that for you. Yeah, it's money. It's money, but it's okay. Yeah. So we value certain things over other things. And that's the way the economy works, whether mm -hmm. they're morally or ethically true or right is is yes. meaningless within the system so for example a tree in the ground is worth nothing to me out of the ground it might be worth ten thousand dollars worth of two by fours or the same goes for a whale in the ocean yep. in the ocean is worth nothing on the boat it's a million dollars of whatever yep. and, and the the problem with that is that if i morally or ethically say okay i'm not going to hurt that tree or that whale the next guy that comes around is going to yeah. do it you know so mm -hmm. i'm fundamentally incentivized to be in that competitive game whether i want to or not and then, then the problem with that is that it's a win-lose game theoretic situation where we're competing with each other for apparent scarce resources. And the, <laughs> the people that win at those games are typically people that are less empathic, you know, have less morality. And so those people rise to the top. And so we have a very small number of people running the world, telling us stories and indoctrinating us. So I totally, um, I, I totally agree with you. And I'll, I'll add to that, though. The reason why it's in the place where it is is because there's not enough leaders or influencers quote unquote who are being um put onto a higher scale based on what they're actually doing mm. so like if if i said tomorrow i talked to all the successful musicians that i know and everyone in the world we all agree from now on we're only going to highlight music that is not derogatory to women that's mm. not derogatory to to doing things that are put people in a bad position and we're also going to collectively try to find ways to make the planet better than we found it and that should be the only line in every single religious doctrine, we've just planned it better than we found it. All the other stuff is just, you know, just sprinkles of ideas. But if that was the initial always that we all followed, and if people were awarded the power of influence when they were actually doing it, more people would follow them. So what I mean by that is like you mentioned thing about the whales. Well, if we thought more than the first step of just money and went, hmm, what am I doing by killing this whale is actually a good idea. If the answer is no, then say, what's the next idea that I can do that actually benefits not just myself and my family, but it benefits the whale, you might come up with an answer that makes more sense. Really? But no one's challenging the brain to do that. They're just going from to step one, which is money, because money has now become the new God. And so people are associating money with God, which are not the same, which is the same. It goes in deeper thing is like, there's all these people who are saying, you know, pray for money. There's all these self-help books about making money, making money. Money is a man-made physical form of energy. That's all it is. You can pray all you want, but if you're not making more energy, I don't care how much you pray. Mm. It doesn't matter. If you can't go to the fundamental resource and understand that money just comes from a tree. It's chopped up, it's put through a thing, machine, and then it, there you have it. It's nothing more than that. So yeah. it's something that's been made by man and then dispersed through man, but only for the trading of value systems of energy. And that's why it's called currency. Where's the current form of energy? What are we paying for it? It could be silver, it could be a belt, it could be a shoe, it doesn't matter, it's just a commodity that's being used. But most people don't even know the commodities on this planet. Mm. You know, so I create a system for a lot of my, my clients of like, listen, there's seven commodities on this planet. Uh, I'll just run through them real quick to so save anyone who might watch this can look through them, but it's uh, money, power, sex, talent, beauty, network, knowledge, and time is the overall one that confines them all, because without time. We don't have any. So time, I think, is the, is the given. So I don't put that on the list. Without time, you're not here. 
but time is also a man-made figment of how to document um, length of days, months, weeks, all that other stuff. But everything else that I just listed is you're constantly bartering with each one of those commodities at all times in your life if you know it or not. And if you at least know that you are, you know what you're actually doing in every situation. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love your perspective, man, uh, on so many levels. Uh, and I want to come back to something you said and and sort of zoom it into something that's relevant for us and maybe some of our listeners. But I think the system we can agree uh, is fundamentally broken. So the last conversation we had in person, actually, we were talking about, okay, well, what does the next system look like? Game B, it's called in some circles. Uh, and then more specifically, what does it look like within music? Because we're both, you know, in the music industry. Um, and so we spoke a lot about hypnosis and brainwashing and just like informing the masses. So, and like you said, there's a lot of um, like in the message of pop music specifically, there's a lot of codependency. There's a lot of victim energy. There's a lot of egocentrism, materialism, sexism, go down the list, right? And so, you know, how do we reshape that from the inside out was the conversation we're having. Like what, like, what is your perspective on modern pop music and how do, is it, okay, maybe this is the best question. Is it shaping our culture or is it a reflection of our culture? And it's probably a little bit of both. And then what can we do as artists and writers to sort of, you know, pivot away and steer the ship towards something that's more positive and empowering? Hmm. That's a really good question. So the best way for me to answer that is to, to kind of use that as a metaphor. So when, when people say the word music, they say, I'm a musician. I go, that is just the term that is used in this part of history to call you a sect of being a magician, okay? So a magician by default is someone who knows how to transfer energy, capture the energy, disperse that energy, and then change the form of emotion or feeling or sight or some sort of change. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, so for instance, if you know, if you're really great at music, you know when I'm playing a certain chord, how does that chord make you feel? Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel sad? Does it make, whatever you feel, though, you're capturing energy. And then you're dispersing that energy among society who are going to feel that energy. So you can cognitively go into a song and say, oh, I want to make people feel good. Guess what Pharrell's biggest song of all time was? Happy. Why did it make people like it? Because he was saying something everyone wanted to feel. It's very easy. And Pharrell had a clue for 30 years. He never had a song as big as happy. Because that's how people wanted to feel. Now, if you can know that your job is actually a magician and you can put yourself in a place where you're capturing energy that is at the highest vibration, I shouldn't say high, at the, the channel of vibration, because I think that's better to say, at the channel of vibration that actually instills a movement of positive energy, then you have the ability to transform other people who hear it emotionally, and then they will then rest with that energy and then pass it on to people around them is the power of music when it's really done well. So I think it's going to be a conscious discussion amongst musicians because most musicians don't even know the music business that they're in. So they don't, they don't know this stuff is happening. Like most musicians think that once you get signed to a record label, like you're set for life. And I'm like, yeah, go back and look at any artist that was around 15 years ago. 90% of them aren't around anymore. But musicians have this idea that like once you make it, you get a hit song on the radio, you're set for life. And I'm like, do you know how five people with hit songs and they're completely broke? I've had hit songwriters sleep on my couch before because they, they lost all their money. And so, and then we've seen all before, the boxers and basketball players. And the reason people lose their money is because no one's trained them or taught them how to invest or save money. So there's these fundamental things that you can see a mile away. You go, that sounds like it's probably going to go wrong at some point, but no one stops. And I'm just trying to be, I'm paying real about this. Like even something like, like uh, Amy Winehouse, who's an amazing, incredible talent and gift in the music industry. But her song was, they tried to make me go to rehab. I said no. And yes, the answer should have been from the management company. Listen, okay, you have a big song talking about this and exploring this. We get it. But you need help. And we want to help you because you can stay around us for more. And you can probably influence more people for change. And you can probably keep doing more songs. But the people who are working with her are making money off of her. Mm -hmm. So in this business, if that artist stops touring, that means that manager can't put their kid through college. So they'll always find some sort of way to make it seem like, oh, no, keep going, keep going. It'll get better. When you're like watching someone go down a pit that you know is not going to have a way out and they're keep pushing you, they're pushing you, they're pushing you. And I think we need more people in the business who have conscious thought, like the way I'm talking. So the way someone can say, no, we're not going to do that. And someone's like, well, we need to make money. 
no, no, I hear what you're saying. So we need to find a better way. We need to all think of how to become a better way and not just react to what's easiest because it's creating adrenaline in us. Because they used to call it back in the day reactive records. And a reactive record means someone's not even doesn't know why they're reacting, they just do it. And that's the reason why artists like Cardi B, and it's the reason why you know the Kardashians are successful. It's just reaction. And our brains get put into a state when adrenaline and cortisol are released, and people just react and just kind of be are focused on some hyper focus in that moment. Not saying that it's the best thing for you, society, your kids, you know, everything around, because there's no second level of logical thought. And we need to we need to start to implement logical thought because there's so many stories that make no sense. It's kind of like the reason why I've never understood Santa Claus. And I always said I always said to my family members, like, why do you have me on some old guy's lap telling him things that I want if I'm good or bad? That makes no sense. No logical sense. And then you look later on in life when people are trying to manipulate people for gifts. Well, what are they doing? They're sitting on people's laps. They're trying to manipulate situations. And you're like, well, gifts, we learned it. We were taught this stuff. We're just older. And if anyone just realizes that, like, you don't really, like, we get older, but we don't age mentally if you don't change your thought process. So I know people in my family who are older, but they still do the same dumb shit they were doing when they were 15. Because no one stopped them from that train of thought and they're able to get away with it in their small bubble of their world. So it's become a reinforced bad habit that has now shaped their identity and their role in society and their hierarchy in that group. So I think we actually have to have more logical thought to where, like for instance, and I said this before, when uh, parents say, you know, there's a fundamental word that's taken out of our thought patterns uh, when we're probably around seven and that word is why. You know, when we're, we're learning all these words, and it's interesting for me because I'm learning Spanish, so I have to learn how, what, where, why, when. So I'm like, como, cuando, cuanto. I have to learn all these things. And in that, the word why is so important. But we all remember this feeling of asking someone a question that's an adult, meaning an authority figure that we trusted, and they couldn't answer it. And we said, like, why is this guy blue? And they went, because I said so. Mm. But it usually happened, you know, why is that blue? Well, because, you know, it's blue when it's on the ocean. But, like, why is it blue, though? Well, because the way the light is. But why is it blue, Daddy? It's, hey, listen, I'm busy right now. It's blue because I said so. Mm. And so then you start to hear that. Well, it's, it's this because authority said so. Something is this because authority figure said so. So now, we, as we're older, if authority figure says so, that's the reason why. We're not questioning the why anymore. Mm-hmm. We're, we're questioning the what. Where, who, but we're not questioning the why. And so it gets really weird because when people get older, I'm like, well, why are you eating foods but you don't know what they're made of and you can't pronounce the words? Like, why are you doing that? And they're like, I don't know. Okay, why are you working a job that you're so stressed out that you can't see your family, you come back, you're mad at them, you're not making enough money, and you're not even happy. Why are you doing that? I don't know. Why are you sending kids to school like for music school, which is the weirdest thing for me, because music schools will charge up to $300,000 when you don't need a degree in music to be a hit songwriter. I don't have a degree in music. I don't even know how to read music. Me neither. <laughs> there you go. So, but, so, but someone else paid $300,000 just to become in debt, and then they get on debt. They don't know how to get out of debt because they weren't taught finance or investments in that music school. They then uh, don't know the actual business because they were never around actual, I call it doctors. Like, I believe in the theory very strongly that a nurse cannot teach someone how to become a doctor. So why the hell would we pay a nurse? And this is male or female. Why would we pay a nurse to teach people how to become doctors? There's music schools that don't have hit songwriters teaching people how to become songwriters. doesn't make sense. Why would someone pay you $300,000 when you've never even done the thing you're teaching? Mm. There's this very weird mindset, just sell, sell, sell. But if you logically looked at it, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. For instance, you can talk to someone and you'd be like, you know, like I, I do this a lot, especially with my artists who are like, when they get kind of stuck, and like, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And I go, if you were a bear in the woods and you were hungry, would you go stand next to the stream where the fish are jumping out? Or would you just stay where you are in the woods? And they're like, well, I go, I go sit next to the stream. And I'm like, Okay, well, I just told you that all the music business is happening from these certain streams of revenue, and you're not doing any of those things. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, see, you've forgotten because they've removed it from you 
that in your DNA is a hunter. Just like every other animal that's around through evolution. Had to learn how to forage and how to learn how to hunt. That's why we're here. But when you tell someone that, they go, well, I would never hunt an animal. I'm like, then you're hiring assassins to kill your animal. Because someone else is hunting that animal. That chicken, you, that chicken you ate, someone else had to hunt it or someone else had to, to raise it. But you're part of the extraction of that animal. So don't act like you're not. You just haven't done it in your DNA, but your great-great-great-grandfathers had to hunt for food. And your great-great-great-great-great before that had to hunt for food. And they just removed the talons from you. You have no claws right now. And so I deal with this a lot, especially because I tell people like, you know, I'm a big believer of jujitsu. And I think if everyone did jujitsu, because all jujitsu is, is what we see puppies do. What we see, you know, maybe bears doing. They roll around squirrels. They roll around. They realize like what they can do, what they can't with their body. They become flexible. They become strong. They understand how to bite back. So they're building themselves knowledge in defense and in play. But when someone is walking down an alley and someone approaches them in a weird way and they freeze, the reason why they freeze is because their brain starts to look in their banks for knowledge of defense and it's been taken out. It's been removed. So what does every animal do, do when it's, it, 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 uh, it's approached by something larger or something more intimidating? It freezes. It curls up. Why would you do that if you knew how to defend yourself? It wouldn't even happen. If all children were taught jujitsu, just cops shooting people with guns. Like my cousin's a cop. And I say to him, hey man, like how much uh, how much hand-to-hand combat have they taught you? And he's like, none. My cousin works, let me be very clear. He's a cop in the worst part of New Jersey. Okay, it's the highest murder capita. He works there. Um, they haven't taught you how to fight? And he's like, he's like, no. They just taught me how to use the gun. I said, well, no wonder, once again, if you feel intimidated and you go back to your bucket of knowledge, the only knowledge you have is how to use the gun. That makes logical sense. So why are we not using logic to learn jujitsu or other ways to build these buckets of knowledge? So there's so many things that I think people are just not consciously thinking about because they haven't been taught to think. They've been taught to trust the organization of society which, like I said, is completely fundamentally already wrong because that only serves people in power, not the people who are trying to live. Does that make sense? Oh, man. Uh, so much there. Yes. Awesome. Like, so insightful. I love your perspective, dude. It's incredible. Um, and so many things I want to ask and go deeper in there, but I'll, 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 I'll suffice to say that I think we can agree that there's a, a fundamental broken system that we're trying to operate within. Right? Yes. We kind of yes. talked about this before. So um, my question keeps coming back to, you know, how do we evolve? Because we're now we're getting pressed by nature and this virus and all these things. Like, as an evolutionary driver, we're being forced to yes. either evolve or go extinct. That's basically our two options right now. And so yes. I think I think we can agree that one of the major factors is the system that has created this. And so yes. transcending it uh, seems like a massive proposition, but we can't just say, oh, you know, somebody else is going to deal with it and go back to our distracted lifestyle. It's not it's not an option anymore, right? You know what's interesting is that Rodney was cut you off, but I talked to one of my clients yesterday, and she said people in her town in California are like, oh, well, now that COVID's over. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, well, there's that. Um, but so, but I think at the fundamental root of it, and, and like you said, the system uh, is oriented towards power moving towards the top. And so yes. they want the people in the lower registered realms to not be aware, to yes. not have the knowledge that you're talking about. So it's incentivized. Yes. And the school system, education promotes that. Yes. Oh. Uh, the multimedia, the media, the mainstream media, all of it promotes that. And so people who have sort of, uh, you know, what we spoke about earlier, done the work to remove themselves far enough to get that perspective okay it could be maybe grouped in a category called awakened you know and that's what kind of waking awakening is yeah. and so but when you sort of see the game that's being played and see the problems with it and see how you can change it for yourself you're like oh wow okay i do have power i do have control i do there are things that i can do to make the world a better place but they don't see it because they're in that program they're in that story yeah. so you know i just want to shake some people sometimes like you know come on dude and then yeah, yeah, how yeah. that relates to um 
alcohol and addiction, which you just touched on with Amy Winehouse, like that's yeah. a big part of my uh, journey. Um, alcohol was a big part of it. And now I help clients get out of that trap. Yeah. But I think the, the problem, the, the reason they get into that trap in the first place is that, like you said at the beginning, when we're children, um, we have this natural impulse to be creative. And then we're told by our parents or authority figures that, oh no, that, that part of your behavior is not acceptable. So you pack that away as like, oh shit. Okay. I'm that natural impulse of mine is not acceptable. And so you push all these mm. things into the shadow, into your repression. And mm. so when you, as you grow into an adult, there's a fundamental disconnection within you. And that's what causes mm. the anxiety and the depression. And for me, and I think a lot of people, the way to soothe that is to medicate through alcohol or pills or mm. any distraction that you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and so coming back to wholeness, I think, is what we're talking about. And you need to do that from a place of ob objective observer, which is what you were talking mm -hmm. about earlier, right? Yes. Yeah. And so how you do that on a large scale fast enough to avoid catastrophe is basically mm -hmm. what my question is now, right? And so mm -hmm. how, have you, how have you managed to avoid alcohol or addiction or drugs or any of that within your journey? Ooh, I mean, that's a, that's a big question, too. So um, yeah. first, I'm going to say that I think the media for me has run around with this word called awaken or woke. Mm. Um, I don't think it's either of those things. I think it's remembering. Yes, I agree. Okay, so like there's this, yeah. there's a, this hashtag people are woke and all oh, this person's so woke. And I'm, so, I'm like, no, that person's still doing dumb ass shit. <laughs> like they're just spreading more dumb shit. And then people say that they're woke so as if they're smart. I'm like, no, no, no they're forgetting yeah. all this other stuff. Still. Yeah. True remembrance is realizing we are part of nature. If you haven't gotten there yet, you're still not woke to me. Totally. You know what I mean? So like, and to, to not think that there's an intelligent design happening, you can literally cut open anything in the planet and I guarantee no one can tell you how it works. Mm -hmm. They can tell you all these things like, oh, well, that mixes with this and this mixes, yeah, yeah. Make it yourself then. And until you can, don't tell me there's not some sort of intelligent design that happened or something that we haven't figured out yet. So what I'm saying is that they're just, there's not a lot of deeper questioning so that's the first part. I think it's more about remembrance, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you can remember, and and also people have to understand that sometimes there's a couple of things. A, the customer is not always right, which they've been programmed to believe. So there's a lot of people who are who are programming and they're they're walking through life completely on emotion, zero knowledge, all emotion. So every time someone's programmed just to use their emotion, like I'm right because I feel this way, it's like no, you're not right, and it's mm -hmm. okay for you to hear that. It's okay for you to say that you're not right. Well, I'm right because I said it. No, just because you're freedom of speech does not mean you're right right now. They might have sold you that bullshit, but doesn't mean it's real. And unfortunately, people are putting that into their identity bucket. Well, because I feel this way. Well, maybe your feelings are being triggered from the way you've been programmed and not reality. So if you really think about your feelings, and I do this all the time, I'll talk to someone who, someone could be so emotionally charged, and they'll just tell them one thing and they'll be like, oh, I'm like, so do you still feel the same way? And they're like, I guess not. And I'm like, so your whole life, You've been walking around this, emotionally charged. I said one thing in five minutes, and then you went, oh, I never looked at it. And now all of a sudden, the emotion leaves. We have clarity. In that moment, everything starts to subside. We get back to a more like homeostasis level. And you're like, I don't even know why I reacted that way. I was like, just because you have the knowledge. That's all. Mm -hmm. Just because of the knowledge. So there's that part. Now, when it comes to addiction, I'm, I'm going to say this. It's, very, it's a sad thing to say, but I've had five best friends die from alcohol or drug abuse. So I've seen this from a young age. I, I, it's one of those reasons why I also think people are kind of just like playing with life. I've seen so much loss that it's really hard. To, like, I'm not trying to go too deep. My brother died yesterday. So I have this very wow. kind of distinction between, like, we have a very short time here. We don't know how long that is. And I don't care what story someone's been told. I can tell you 10 others that were like, the head tennis player of this small town that everyone's like, he's going to be the biggest thing in the world. And then this happened to him. And I can tell you, the, the lead soccer player in this town that I was in, nah, nah, nah. I can tell you someone, he's the father of a multi-million dollar kid. I've seen this. They're my friends. They're not around anymore. So there's that side of it. Two, um, my mother works in rehabs. My mother has worked in rehabs for, for now 19 years. So she has been, she's one of the leading people in the field of rehabs. So it's not like I haven't been around drugs now. If anything, I was selling drugs when I was like 15 in nightclubs in New York. Like we had a whole crew of people, I call it like the backpack kids, who would walk into these nightclubs and we would sell drugs. I've been around drugs and alcohol my whole entire life. I think I didn't get pulled into it because I saw when you do too much of something, of anything, you're going to be addicted to it. So for me, I was always the person who's like, 
oh yeah, I can moderate this. And then when I want to leave it, I'll just leave it. And I developed, and I'll just be honest, I think this is a lot to do with, with me always testing my self-will throughout my whole entire life, going, I'm going to do that. And then someone going, you can't do that. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to do it now. And then be able to cut off something next day, not do something for six months. And if I want to pick it back up, I'll pick it back up. But never being dependent on anything. And I think through that, it's like, if I was doing something for too much, I'd just be like, all right, too much of that, got to stop it. And I literally just stop it. And it might be two months of me battling, but then I hit a certain point where I always would just kick that habit. And it's almost like I never even did it. So I think that was me developing that in myself at a very young age, seeing a lot of uh, loss at a very young age, knowing that when it's time to put the nail in, it's time to put the nail in and we're playing around and you can't pretend like some story is going to come around because a lot of people do. They're like, you know, like a magic fairy is going to come around and save you. And I'm like, cool. Well, I don't believe in magic fairies if, if, when it comes to that. I believe in the fact of what I've seen. And I've seen good people lose life early in life and had nothing to do with anything else that you can tell me. It was that they went too far into something that they shouldn't have thinking that there was going to be an outcome that doesn't exist. And I've seen it firsthand. So I don't need to hear any stories. I think with all of that, you know, like knowledge and touring the world with music and seeing the ups and downs of relatives of all the musicians and, you know, knowing the people who are quote unquote really respected, but they have horrible time in the scenes, um, horrible turmoils because they're basically what happens, at least what I've seen when it comes to addiction is, you know, we're watching it on TV from a very young age. Like we're told not to do something that everyone else is doing. And we're told you have to be a certain age till you do it. And so we build up these, these neural pathways of when I become that, I'm going to do this. Because I can look back and I can remember the feeling of my body when I first had alcohol and my body rejected it because my body was smarter. And it's when we kept forcing that feeling that then all of a sudden the body just accepts the fact that, okay, the controller of this body is going to continually bombard me with things that I don't really need and that don't sustain me, but I guess i got to figure it out. So the body becomes numb to it after a while, and then we pour more into it, we pour more into it, we pour more into it, and then it becomes part of identity, and then it's like, oh, he's the guy who plays music, gets drunk, and has a good time, and then we get you know, reestablished with that, and then we attract certain people or situations that seem fun because the adrenaline releases, and all this stuff starts to continue, but at the end of the day, if you sit back and be like, wait, I remember the way my body first felt. Mm. If I went off, if I just judged everything like that, this internal design that I don't really know how it works, that's perfectly working. If I put something in it and it rejects it, it's probably not the best thing for it. I need to start trusting that. And they never teach us that in school. They make it seem like the party lifestyle is the cool thing. And it's one of the reasons why, like, you know, I'm pretty successful in a sense but I'm not trying to take my money and blow it on the same things that I was programmed to blow it on back in the day. It's not like, you know, go to the parties and do a bunch of drugs and hang out. No, I'm like, no, no, that sounds stupid. It sounds completely illogical. Why would I do that? Why would I put myself in that much risk? Like, why would I do that? And there's a thing about moderation, but then there's a thing of it, it comes who you are. And I've just seen people go down that route. And there are, unfortunately, the other people, the misery loves company, the other people who feel that way too, support the idea so much that they all start to feed off that organism. And then when you try to get out of it, they're trying to keep you in it. Because mm-hmm. if you if you leave it, then you're part of the organism that tells them that they're in the wrong. and They can't feel wrong about what they feel so right about. Hey, are you feeling lost, frustrated, angry about the state of the world, but unsure what to do about it? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Yet in these interesting times of shattered realities, Many people are using alcohol to escape and numb their feelings of anxiety, dread, and uncertainty. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls in mastering their inner world and finding a deeper sense of purpose. To that end, I created Reset 2020. Reset is a personal transformation mastermind group with the intention of resetting your relationship with alcohol and becoming the best version of yourself in an empowering, supportive online community. To check out more about Reset 2020 and to watch my masterclass video, head on over to go.patrickcooklife.com. Remember, cook is spelled with an E, C-O-O-K-E. So it's go.patrickcooklife.com. All right, now back to the show. You have so much self-awareness, which is one of the biggest things I admire about you. But my, my question is, 
is that something that was, you know, in your constitution, you know, genetically or, you know, I, I think it's a balance of both, but, you know, is it something you developed? Because I see so many people struggling um, that don't have that level of awareness. And I'm, you know, and part of what I do is to help them develop that within themselves. So I'm wondering, you know, how you did it for yourself, because that is like practical information for people to act on now. Uh, man, I think. Okay, so there's a part of me, and this is going to sound uh, very interesting to hear, because even me saying it feels weird. How do I say it? Um, without sounding like an asshole. Just go for it. All right, I've never been wrong about anything. Okay, and I'm not talking about um, just like, oh, I feel about the situation. I mean, like, I've, since I was five, I've been able to look at things that would happen 10 years later. And I've never been wrong. My family knows that. I, it's got to the point that my roommates in college, I would write down my dreams and then they would, ha I would write them down on the refrigerator in, my, in the main kitchen. I'd write down my dreams. I'd say, this happened in my dream. Within two weeks, that same thing would happen. So I'm someone who trusts my instinct, but more about my instinct, my ability to see things in this matrix that other people can't see. It's kind of like the thing about, remember the AI? I told you, I was like, hey, yeah. Like Patrick, this is gonna happen. To, I was like, Patrick, if you were an AI salesman, this is the best time in history to be an AI salesman. And I went through the whole list of reasons why. And we talked about it, right? And yeah. then literally two weeks later, someone said to me, like, yo, Adam, you were just saying this. My mom reads, writes on the post, I've been saying this for four years. So, like, if you talk to my mom and said, How was he at five years old? She's gonna be like, he's the same as he is now. He was doing this stuff when he was five. He I had teachers quit because I would tell them things about themselves that they didn't want to hear. And I don't, I don't know if I want to call it psychic. I don't know if I want to call it clairvoyance. I don't know if I want to call it just being able to see deeper into a matrix that people aren't seeing, so I'm a couple steps ahead. But all I can say is that I've never been wrong. And that's a weird thing to live with because I'm trying to always help people. And then a lot of times they don't see what I can see. So it's like, I get to the point where I'm like, all right, well, I can't help everyone. I just have to, to trust that my, my, track, my own track record, you know? And then go, all right, uh, how do I help to, to shape this for other people so that they can see it? So it's a mixture of that. And then I would say also it's a mixture of where I was raised. And I mean, this is real, like going to school in the morning. <clears throat> so the two places that I think were fundamental to my growth were one, when I was in New York, in Jersey City, walking to school, they would have teachers' aides meet us halfway. So that way the teacher's aides could walk and crush the crack vials and the heroin needles. So that way we didn't see it. So I was raised in an area that technically was extremely hard to survive in, but yet we found a way to. But then the other place I lived in, which is another part of Jersey, which was a very kind of like my parents moved me out of the city because they thought I was going to get involved in gangs and stuff. So moving out to this other part. My house, because my parents didn't have a lot of money, was at the dead end road. Of a bump, think about Nosada roads. That was a mile long to get to my one house, and every other road in town was paved. Mm. I was the only reason why the school bus had to go down that road. So everyone hated me because when they had to go down this mile to get me and a mile back, these kids were bouncing up and down, just building up more anger of like this kid who's from who lives in this town and he's he's half black and we don't like black people in this town anyway. So I would get picked up. And then everyone already didn't like me. And I didn't do anything just because of when my parents bought a house. So I realized at a very young age that like, you have no control over what other people see you. Mm -hmm. So why care about how, what they think? And I think because that stuff happened to me, I developed a really, really thick skin of hearing the word no. And instead of being broken by it, I go, why not? And I go back to the reason because I still have my why. So someone would say, Adam, this song doesn't sound good. And I go, why not? And then when they told me the answer, I just be writing it down like there was a menu. So mm -hmm. wait, why is this not good? Oh, the mix isn't working. Okay, cool. So make the mix better. Why not? Well, I'm off pitch. Okay, so do more on pitch. Also, why not? They give me my list, and that was my list that's going to help me become successful now. Where other people hear no, and they're like, no, nah, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to cry about it. I'm going to feel this way. And I'm, I'm like, but you realize that this industry we're trying to get into is like a 1% level. Do you think the people in the 1% just get told no, and they run away? Because otherwise, you're not going to cut it in this business. But once again, that will come back to my grandfather playing for professional sports. You know, and I think all that put together 
I come from a long line of very powerful men. Like if you were to look at them in stature and in, in, in thought process and in demeanor, if you look at all the men in my family, you'd be like, we'd be like, oh yeah, they're all like that. If you put us all in a tribe together, we'd be like, oh, okay, I see where they're from. It's, it's one of those things that you could see if you saw them all together. Mm. Yeah, man. Amazing, amazing insight. It, just being around you, I can feel that energy, you know, just there's just this powerful energy of insight and self-awareness. And it, it's almost supernatural, you know, this on some level it is. Um, so I guess the question then becomes like, you know, with the with the world changing as fast as it is, and I know I'm going to be cognizant of your time, just ask you one or two more yeah. questions. Um, yeah. um, with the world changing as fast as it is, what are the techniques, what are the skills that are going to be most meaningful in the nearest future? You know, because that's uh, like, I'm, I'm really, I know I'm just trying, really trying to get down to practical terms. Like what can people do now to make an impact, to better themselves, to be a positive influence on where the world goes moving forward? Okay. Okay. There's a few things. Um, so this would be a multi-layered answer. Okay. One is they have to grip, come to grips with a term that they have to master something. They can't fall back on, I want to play the system to find as many loopholes um, and act like those loopholes aren't going to be my potential traps in the future. But, like People are creating their own holes and then they're going to fall into them. And I'm not going to get too deep into our gender roles right now, but like there's a lot of things happening within our gender roles that people aren't realizing that we work really good when we understand each other better rather than acting like you know, there's not things going on. And I'm like, listen, we really got to understand how we work together. And I think it's fundamentally being broken apart right now. Um, so one thing it's about whatever your craft is, is to master your craft and stop playing this game of like, it's just going to work out for you. Mm. Um, Cause a lot of people, I'll be honest, man, a lot of people like to go 70%. They like to go to that 70% mark where it's comfortable and they do past that. If, if it makes them uncomfortable, they'll give me a whole laundry list of reasons why they can't do something. And it's usually based on their identity and what they think is going to happen to them. Cause I heard some story of some other person go, I followed my heart and I followed my blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And you, they're telling me that sort of story. You haven't sat down and met and talked about all the things they had to do to get to say that. You didn't realize how amazing they were. Like, I've met people who say something about an artist, although, oh, you know, Kesha is not that good of an artist. She's not that good of a singer. And I'm like, you realize Kesha's mom's a Grammy Award winner? And like, Kesha's been raising this stuff. So her knowledge of music industry, her knowledge of how to write a song, her knowledge of how to sing, like, it's on so many levels that are past the norm, but you've never seen her in a studio. We're just going by the tip top, don't stop. Like, you don't realize these people have mastered their craft, right? So that's the first part. Master your craft. Two, people have to push the boundary of thinking logically and remove a lot of the stories that are messing them up. All the them up, all the Santa Claus stories, all the things that it's just going to work out for them because of who they are, what they look like, their skin, all that stuff. you got to start moving all that crap because it's not going to be as beneficial in the next 10, 15 years because AI is not going to care about all that shit. So you got to get back into like realizing that your, your network as humans, we, the reason why we're here is because of tribes, but the American society has removed tribes. So, and then people are following the American society. So it's like you, you turn 18, they kick you out of the house. They kick you out of the tribe. That doesn't happen in other tribes. They all help you to raise the children. They help you do this. And that's why, you know, different places, there's still a love for the children. There's a love for the family. You get to spend time with the grandma. Like it's part of it. There's a unity. But then in the society of America, it's like they're showing you to kick you out. You've got to do this. And they're training everyone horribly wrong. And they're forgetting that America was built on tribes. First American Indian tribes. Then there were gangs of New York. who were tribes. This thing was tribally built. But people then all of a sudden forget about it and tribes become religious groups. And it's not the same thing. I'm talking about tribes for sustaining of society and of life amongst each other. Raising each other's kids. Helping each other teach that person's son or that person's daughter. Being someone who can look in the street, if you're running into the street, will grab you and stop you. Not take out a camera and then point it at you because they might get more likes. We're removing humanity from humanity and expecting a different result. And it doesn't happen that way. So that's the other part. The other part that we have to do is understand that technology is becoming smarter than us because of these things. And the people that aren't seeing that are going to be wiped out of the middle class. They will not be middle class in the next 15 years. And people need to fundamentally understand that you got to find that thing, and I'm saying the quickest way because I don't have to go for a session. Um, there is a, um, there's a thing that happens when you lose time. Meaning, if you're writing a song and you lose time from doing it, we go, oh my God, that was three hours. It went by. You are now fundamentally a time traveler, in theory. That's the thing that you can make the most amount of positive energy doing. 
that's the thing for everyone's different. Right? For everyone's completely different. You know, someone else might not be able to write songs and lose time. I can't be a chef and lose time. There's certain things that make you lose time. Figure out what that thing is. Invest all of your time in becoming a master at that because that will positively change the world and you'll be influenced back in my reflection financially, which will help people be able to understand different roles that they'll be better suited for rather than working a slave job, being pissed off at their life, being pissed off at their, their, uh, their relationships, getting pissed off at their kids. It's because they chose to be a slave and they don't know it in modern society, right? So that's a few of them. There's more that can go down the list, but... This is so awesome. And I know you got to go. You have another session coming up. So, you know, maybe we can uh, just leave it there and we'll come back. I'll have you on again and we'll, we'll go deeper because just an absolute pleasure uh, dropping in with you, man. Your in insight and perspective and wisdom is always so beautiful and useful. So thank you. So thank you for taking this time. All right. Really have a wonderful day. Tell everybody where they can find you if they want to hook up with you for mentor sessions or. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, like right now, I'm just really focusing on music until we build our, our community. Cause right now I'm in the process of trying to build uh, a self-sustainable community for artists. That's the awesome. goal in the, in the next year. So, um, you can go to music industry contact. So music industry contact on Instagram. And I have, uh, I do live streams on, on the weekends to help musicians understand the business better. So that's what the funny thing now. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Have a great day, brother. Take it easy, brother. Later. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do hit the subscribe button and share this episode with all your friends. And for more episodes and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time, and remember, live your being.